day of Christmas my true love sent to me A partridge in a pear tree On the second day of Christmas my true love sent to me Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint, and you're also listening to The Twelve Days of Christmas, one of those songs that just will never end. Jamie Wilkerson, thanks for joining <laughs> us today. It's so good to be here. How do you like that song, The Twelve Days you of know, Christmas? I love that song. You love I that do. Song? I do. You know, it's the part of the fun in singing the song is trying to remember the lyrics. <laughs> I'm glad you find that pleasurable because for me, it makes me crazy because I can't remember all the lyrics and I get them all mixed up. And by the time I get to 11 Lords of Leaping, I can't remember if there were 12 (laughs) golden eggs or what. But it is a part of Christmas. Christmas has come already. But wait a minute. There's still some backstory to the holiday that we want to visit today. We're so glad you're with us. Merry Christmas these days after. We'll be right back. The 12 Days of Christmas. I mean, where does that song even come from? What's that about? Can you make sense of it, Jamie? You like to remember the lyrics, but does it make any sense to you? What, what's the main idea? What would you say? Well, the main idea, first of all, I think it's an awesome tool to help you remember things. Um, <laughs> okay. But it's an English carol from what I read. It's It was first published in 1780. It goes way back. It's been around a long time. And I think it opens up with... On the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me, which always set me up to believe, okay, this is a song about romance at Christmas time. My true love sent to me. And then every day for 12 days, there are these gifts. Do you know how many gifts there are given in the song? If you just told them all them up, because, you know, every day they repeat the gifts from the day before. So it's not just you know, 11 Lords of Leaping, you have to add the 11 Lords oh, of Leaping to the 10 days and all that. that. See, if you add all that up. Uh, so but, that's the annoying part? Is that, the, is that well, it? Well, <laughs> I'm just saying that there's some, there's some order to this. I mean, there's some real deep thought into what seems nonsensical. So if you add up all the <laughs> gifts from day one to day 12, repeating gifts of the days before, new and fresh every day, you'll have 364 gifts. Wow which is 364 days, which is just one day short of a year, Christmas Day. So actually the song talks about giving gifts, 364 gifts, one for every day of the year except Christmas Day, which is the day upon which we got the gift of God, Jesus. I mean, there's all kinds of like detail in this song, but what's it about? I'm going to suggest these things. First of all, it's a children's song based on the Best research, it's an old, centuries-old children's song that was first published, as you said, in 1780 in a book called Mirth Without Mischief. So how can these kids have a good time? It was a children's book. How can they have mirth, which would be an old English word for have fun, without any mischief? And it seems like the song was designed to be a kind of a game. And so imagine yourself as a child in 1780, and you don't have an Xbox You don't have a television. You don't have a phone with which to play Angry Birds. You don't even have a board game of Monopoly. You have to create games out of your own imagination. Somebody publishes a book about how you can have a good time, and in that book is this song. Jamie, you like the song, 
And so you could imagine like yourself it. in the circle and you could take off and every kid in the circle will have to sing this song and see who goes the farthest without fumbling, without repeating or making a mistake. Because if you can get through all 12 days, well, your head is uh, in gear. And that's the best guess for what it really means. It's kind of silly song, but it's a game to play. But there's something about this song that also has deeper meaning, and that's the 12 days of Christmas. It's how people celebrated Christmas in 1780, and in 1580, and maybe in 1280, different than we do today. 12 days of Christmas, hmm. Jamie, I know you love your Christmas tree in your house. You have a historic home with tall ceilings. How tall is that tree? It's about eight feet. I mean, that's a lot of tree. It's a lot of tree. Okay, so you've got the tree up for Christmas. Christmas Day has come and gone. Are you the kind of family that likes to keep that tree up for a while? You take it down the next day or you save it for Valentine's Day? What's your game? You know, I don't want to even admit how long we keep our tree up, but we are the family that leaves the tree up for a very long time. <laughs> so it's not a big rush to put it away and move no. on to new things. Well, in that, you're probably in line with the way people have celebrated Christmas over most of Christian history. Our present custom of celebrating Christmas ahead of the holiday instead of after the holiday is uh, a relatively new invention because Advent, the four weeks before Christmas, was not always connected to the celebration of Christmas itself. It, it was a somber and a thoughtful, reflective time, kind of like Lent is before Easter. And then when Christmas came, the Christmas day, December 25th, and nobody knows that that was the day Jesus was born. It's just a, a day chosen in the calendar to help people learn the story of Christmas in an age when they couldn't read or write. When that day came, December 25th, that's when the party started. That's when people really celebrated. In fact, a Christmas tree might not even be put up until Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day. And that's how people would celebrate. And then they would celebrate for 12 days to another holiday, which falls on January 6th called Epiphany. Epiphany is an ancient word which means manifestation. And it has to do with the manifestation of the Christ child to the Gentiles in the coming of the wise men. In other words, the story of the wise men coming to find Jesus and giving him their gifts, which we merge and condense into the December 25th celebration, actually historically was always seen as an after event. And of course it was. The wise men didn't come for quite some time. And so the celebration of the wise men coming became a separate event, epiphany, the manifestation of Jesus, the disclosure of this new king, to Gentiles. The wise men were not Jewish people. They came from other nations. And so we have this expansion of the good news to the whole world 12 days after. We know that the wise men came at some time after Jesus was born and probably much longer than 12 days. But in the calendar, this was the groove. So people would celebrate starting on the 25th and they would celebrate all the way till January 6th. That's 12 days, hence the 12 days of Christmas. And how did they celebrate? Ah, what do you think? In the song, what's it about? What happens in the song? 
So in the song, there was gift giving for each day, and then there was a gradual expansion of the gifts, as you mentioned earlier. So maybe they just gave gifts, and they gave more gifts as the days went on. That's right. There was a, a kind of momentum that would build up. And if you could afford to give gifts, you gave a gift on every day. So we have, you know, again, condensed Christmas into a single day. And boy, when that day comes, all the gifts better be wrapped. They better be ready to go or been sent in the mail <laughs> yeah. to the grandchildren in Alaska. Oh, sorry, am I disclosing my own story? <laughs> you have to have it all ready so that on December 25th, it's all done. That's but right. actually, the historic way was you unpack this over time, over days. And honestly, that kind of appeals to me. It makes Christmas stretch out a little bit. It makes me experience it a little differently. The rush isn't on to make sure that I have everything done on one day, but every day there's a gift. Think about this. Instead of waking up on Christmas morning and seeing all the gifts, every day I've got a gift, a surprise for the next day, the next day that really cements this idea of the magnitude of the coming of Christ until at last on that 12th day of Christmas. Wow. And this is where the real gifts come out, isn't it? And that goes back again to the story of the wise men. What did the wise men bring, according to the Bible? They gave three gifts, and they were very expensive gifts, too, weren't they? They brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were the most extravagant gifts available at the time. And in the celebration of Epiphany, the manifestation, the coming of the wise men, well, then ancients, centuries ago, would really make that the day where the gifts would shine. But they were also gifts to Jesus. Gift-giving is a part of our Christmas celebration because Jesus himself is a gift, and the wise men brought him gifts. And the sharing of gifts is such a legitimate and really holy part of the acknowledgement of the coming of Christ and the unpacking of his gospel. Thy birth. 
sense to offer have I my gift of love and sacrifice prayer and praising all men raising worship him God on Gathering blue, sorrowing, sighing, bleeding, dying, sealed in the stone cold tomb. Glorious now, behold him arise, King and God and sacrifice. So this whole idea of the wise men coming as a kind of end of the story of Christmas, it's, it's the bookend. Our understanding of Christmas begins with the annunciation, the announcement to Mary that Jesus would be born. And then we have the journey to Bethlehem. We have the manger scene. We have the angels appearing to the shepherds. And we have Mary reflecting on all of these things. And then we have the wise men coming, and it's the bookend. It's what kind of wraps up the whole story. We don't believe this is a fantasy. We believe it's real history. And there's a sequence, a chronology to these events. And the coming of the wise men is a really important part of the unfolding revelation of who Jesus is and what we should do about it. And that story is told in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2. Jamie, let's, let's dive into it just for a moment. I'll begin, and then you can finish. This is Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his stars at rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem and Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be my shepherd, 
the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, Go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can go and worship him too. What happened next? After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. It's one of the most famous stories ever told, and it has real meaning. We have these men from far away who have seen a star. They're wise men, they're intellectuals, they're learned, and they understand astronomy. And something has appeared in the sky that they as scientists could not recognize, except they identified it with some ancient prophecies. How they knew about those prophecies probably is consequent to the Jewish migrations and being carried into exile to the east, to what we now would call Iran, to Persia in ancient time. And maybe they had a record of those prophecies, that there would be this Messiah born, and the signal of it would be a star in the heavens. And they they connected those dots and decided to follow the star. It's a supernatural event because the star guided them to Israel, but they weren't sure where the child was to be born. They stop at Herod, the king, thinking, well, he surely is on this. But Herod wasn't really in tune because he was not in tune with God. And so Herod sends them on the way, but it's a deceitful send-off, isn't it? He, he says, you go and find the baby and then come back and tell me where the baby is because I want to worship him too. We learn later in the chapter, Herod had no intention of worshiping the child. He wanted to destroy the child. But these wise men were pure. They were seeking for the Messiah. And they brought gifts to honor him. And as you said already, uh, Jamie, those were very precious gifts. Do you have an image in your, in your mind, Jamie, of, of what it was like when they walked in the house and had the gifts? Can you imagine what it would have been like? It was, <laughs> I can't imagine. Yeah. A door knock. Yeah. Uh, Joseph and Mary are, are waiting inside, not expecting any visitors, uh, not prepared to host, especially extravagantly dressed and high-status visitors, but there they are. We don't know how many wise men there were. We sometimes say three because there were three gifts, but there could have been five or ten or two, but more than one. And as they came, they saw the child, and there was something in the moment. They understood, this is it. Supernaturally, God revealed to them, this is the child, and they brought these gifts. Jimmy, how old do you think Jesus was when the wise men showed up and met him for the first time? You know, I thought he was an infant. I thought he was, you know, maybe just a few weeks old. But the more you read the story and the more you think about it, it, he could have been about the age of two. Could have been a toddler even. And the reason we think that is there are a couple details in the story that are very interesting. The shepherds found Jesus in a manger, right? The wise men found Jesus in a house. It suggests they moved out of the stable into a house. And so there's that curious um, detail. Now, they could have done that a week later or a month later, but maybe a year later. Maybe it took them a while to find lodging suitable 
for this young family. The other clue is that in the narrative that we did not read, but in the next verses of Matthew chapter 2, Herod orders the murder of every boy child in Bethlehem who is two years old or younger. Why that? Well, he had asked the wise men when the star appeared. It doesn't say when it appeared, but the implication is that the wise men said, well, we saw it for the first time two years ago. Now, was Jesus born when the star appeared or after, and they've just been following the star? We don't know, but Herod got the idea. This kid, this newborn king could be two years old, and he wants to make sure that the child is wiped out. So he's going to murder every boy child who is two or younger. And all this suggests that Jesus may have been a toddler when the wise men met him. How old he was doesn't matter. What matters is that they met him. And that's our story too. So this Christmas, as you are in the, uh, the after shock of your Christmas celebration, you're in the days following, think about the ancient custom of 12 days of Christmas and don't let the joy and the celebration evaporate just yet. I grew up in a world where the day after Christmas was one of the well down days. Oh my, the party's over. No, the party's just beginning. And notice also the text that Jamie read in the story. After they met Jesus, they went home a different way. They didn't go home the same way because they'd been warned not to go back to Herod, but they returned by a different route. And I'm here to tell you that your celebration of Christmas needs to take you into the new year a different way than the way in which you found him in the first place. Because when you meet Jesus, you need to travel on new roads, in new ways for a new life. How do you do it? Well, as you're celebrating all the way through to January 6th, perhaps this year, to that Epiphany Day, as you're thinking about how you meet Jesus, you can start by praying with us. Just take a deep breath and pray. Our Father, we're so thankful today for the coming of Jesus into the world. It is the hinge of history. Everything in this world is different after he came than it was before. And we're thankful for that. And we know, Lord, that he lives still and that he's still at work making this world more and more in his image for the good, even as there are desperate forces that seek to stop him and do wicked and evil things. We thank you for the hope that Christmas brings and the knowledge that Jesus is here working for us now and for the good. And we pray that as we walk into the new year that we'll be aligned with him, that we will be surrendered to him and made new, born again by him, so that we can also be agents to make this world a better and more peaceful and righteous place. Thank you for hearing our prayer, Lord, and help our celebration of Christmas just now continue into the new year. And may we, like the wise men, give gifts to our Lord and go home, go into the new year a different way than that which we came. Thank you for hearing our prayer. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
still in the 12 days of Christmas, and we'd hope to hear from you. You can give us a call. Just dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're by the phone, ready, willing, anxious to hear from you. But during these 12 days of Christmas, Jamie, I know that some people are thinking, I'm not ready to call up yet, but I would like to know more. Where can they find us online? They can go to www.cbhviewpoint.org. CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's our name. That's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. You can read about the ministry there. You can also send us an email, and we will reply. Or at the last, write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up, check us out online, or use the post, please, in these 12 days of Christmas, let us hear from you. Merry Christmas to you, Jamie, and keep that tree shining bright. <laughs> Merry You've still Christmas. got days. <laughs> and we're so thankful that you joined us also this week on Viewpoint. We hope you'll be back again with us next week for our first program of the new year. And once again, we'll try and help you see your world from heaven's view. For all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, and for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. <laughs>